Hi, I'm Lamar White Jr. of the Bayi Brief, and welcome to our new series, Combat in the Courtroom. Before diving into the first episode, I'll give you some background about the star of the show, Mike Fowler. I met Mike about a year ago. We had lunch to discuss his new memoir, From the Bronx to the Bayou, and at the time I thought I would be writing a book review about his memoir, which is 40 chapters of incredible stories about a career spanning six decades in the law. But after talking to Mike for about an hour and a half, I realized that his voice was something that everyone needed to hear for themselves. So we decided we would record a podcast. And unlike Briefly Speaking, our other podcast series, this is not a conversational podcast. It's a first-person narrative told in Mike's own words. We selected some of the best stories he has to tell. And we hired Louisiana talent to bring the story to life. Professional producer, Ben Collinsworth, and our own in-house musician, New Orleans native Hannibal the Beat Animal. This is a series about high-profile murder cases, mobsters, corrupt politicians, and sloppy police work, racial justice, and a passion for the law. We're going to open up the podcast the same way Mike opens up his book, with a few thoughts, words of wisdom, really, from Mike about the legal system and about life. A few thoughts before we begin. Our criminal justice system only works if we have a vibrant, vigorous, and passionate defense bar. Whether our client is an unsavory alleged child molester or a tax cheat, he deserves the very best we have within us. If you're not so committed, go to the civil side of the practice where lucre is at stake, not individual liberty. The most critical aspect is not the trial, but occurs far earlier in the process when someone decides whether a case should be criminally prosecuted. It is termed screening and most often is performed not by the trial prosecutor, but by someone who will play no role in the trial. In my experience, the decision to proceed with prosecution is too often one-dimensional. Once the decision to prosecute is made, the defendant automatically becomes the underdog, despite our revered presumption of innocence. A thought on judge-conducted voir dire, which is the process where we seek to weed out potential jurors who cannot be fair because of some preconceived bias or some personal experience. In the federal system, the trial judge usually conducts voir dire with scant input from the attorneys. That, in my view, is a mockery. Few federal judges have any experience as a criminal defense attorney. Most of their questions are close-ended, posed by the black-robed ruler of the courtroom. A typical question. It is your sworn duty to both the government and the defendant to be fair and open-minded. Can you do so? Twelve heads will automatically nod in assent. We learn nothing from such questions. Each of us perceives ourselves to be fair and open-minded. Only a defense attorney, fully conversant with his theory of defense and attuned to the type of particular bias that may influence jurors, can intelligently exercise challenges for cause as well as peremptory challenges. Over the course of my career, 
I have concluded that while certain aspects of criminal defense work can be taught, the art of cross-examination cannot. For me, the best criminal defense attorney is the focal point for the jury. Jurors should not focus on the defendant or the judge, and surely not the prosecutor. The jury must see you as better prepared and more conversant with the facts than your opponent. There is a significant difference between criminal and civil litigation. The attorney and client have a much different relationship. In a criminal case, particularly if the trial is prolonged, the relationship borders on that of a marriage. Extended conversations over dinner and drinks often deal with more than just the case and can include innermost thoughts, fears, life experiences, and personal anecdotes. As a result, there develops a closeness, a personal intensity. But once the verdict is in, that closeness almost always evaporates. I imagine it's not unlike two soldiers sharing a battlefield foxhole. It's understandable. The client wants to obliterate the memory of the most stressful, distasteful experience of his life. You only remind him of it. Today, many judges, particularly at the state level, cavalierly hand out 20 to 40 year sentences without flinching. Yet far too many judges think that those harsh sentences help them maintain a political reputation as a law and order jurist. It's my belief that most judges have no real sense of what it is like to be imprisoned. In my opinion, novel though it may be, every new judge should be required to spend 30 days in a minimum level secure prison facility, not as a visitor, but as just another inmate subject to the same condition and restrictions as all the other prisoners. If nothing else, such a rule would surely shorten the list of those seeking judgeships. I have often been asked if I feel an emotional burden when an individual's liberty is dependent upon my ability in the courtroom. I have never candidly felt any such internal stress, even in capital cases. I have always viewed my inner desire to win, to maximize the use of my talents as enough. It's all the individual sitting beside me can ask of his champion. Finally, admittedly, I am not a gentle soul in the courtroom. Others have described my persona as combative, feisty, belligerent, argumentative, and akin to a bantam rooster. I have been threatened with contempt on multiple occasions and cited for contempt on five occasions only one of which was ever upheld on appeal. But combat in the pit of the courtroom in a criminal trial is often uncivil and all too often downright nasty. It is, however, the environment in which I have thrived professionally for over half a century.